Let's give him thanks for these words. They are very powerful words. No guilt in life. You have no guilt in life. Your sins are forgiven. No fear in death. That is the power of Christ in you. That is the power of Christ in me. Remember, no power of hell. It's Jesus who commands your destiny. No scheme of man can ever pluck you from his hand. It's Jesus that commands your destiny. Give him thanks and appreciation for that this evening. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Before we take our seats, and then we are going to stand up again in a moment. But before we take our seats, can we just declare the words of understanding we usually do? Are we ready? If you don't know it, I don't want it to be quiet. Just put up your hand. We'll give you a copy of our magazine. The magazine is free. You can take it home after that. All right? Put up your hand. If I see your hand up and I know you, you're in trouble, though. Sure you know. So I don't know how you're going to do now. You can't put up your hand and you can't keep quiet. <laughs> so please put up your hand. Get a copy of the magazine. You can take it home after what is yours. Even if you had one at home before, give one to somebody. You can dash it out. Are we ready? All right, everybody, one, two, let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. All right, please just turn around. Don't leave your secret like five, six people all around you. And bless them. Say no guilt in your life. There's no fear for you. Jesus commands your destiny. Say, Jesus commands your destiny. Nothing will pluck you away from his hands. Jesus commands your destiny. Jesus commands your destiny. Say, nothing will pluck you away from his hands. And once you've done that, greeting a few people, take your seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, let's quickly, I want us to do something today, but I'd like to just give a small uh, recapitulation of what we discussed along the line uh, beforehand. In that um, regard, last time we began to look at the issue of magnifying God as a form of prayer. I reminded us of what we have discussed before, that prayer is a kind of prayer people often overlook, which is what I call our conversations, that the conversations of believers, conversations of people of God, they are a form of prayer, and people often make that mistake of neglecting that aspect of it. And we read that one from Malachi, that he says that those who feared the Lord, they spoke often one to another, and the Lord heard it. And it's so important for us to bear it in mind, that when we are talking, God is listening. When we are talking to ourselves, the Lord is listening. It's not just when we kneel down to pray that God is listening. When we are talking amongst ourselves, and that's what Malachi explained to us. He said those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, that's in verse 16 of Malachi chapter 3, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. That is, God is paying attention to what we are saying as people of, as children of God, even when we don't think that we are praying. And we said we must bear that in mind that that is a form of prayer. 
And we took that one again to explain the principle of the third commandment. Remember, what is the third commandment? The way we all read it, that shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And we explained that that doesn't really, you know, people have been confused for a very long time on how to interpret that. Somebody still forwarded something to me the other day. The man was saying that, he read it in Hebrew, very beautiful, but <laughs> he said that, look, what he was saying that you must not use God's name to go and do something bad. I said, no, <laughs> I understand. That is good. In all of the things we say, don't use the name of God as a swear word. Are you getting me? People who don't believe in God, everything. Holy Jesus, you know, that's what they used to exclaim. All right? Yes, yeah, so when I said that's taking the name of God in vain, I said, no. Literally in Hebrew, he said, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God for a vain thing. Now, people can interpret that. Look, it means don't think that name is vain. No, that's not what he was saying. But what he said is don't take God's name and place it on a vain thing. That is, first, you must not make, you must not have any other God. So he must be your only God. That's number one. Number two, that God, you have never seen him. So don't make an image of him. Then number three, even though you have, you are not making the image, if somebody else makes an image, don't place the God's name on that. So sometimes it's possible for somebody to say, look at the God. In fact, some of the things that Aaron did wrong, when he made an image, the image he made, made an, a calf, something they learned from Egypt. Are you getting me? He now said to Israel, this is your God that took you out of, do you understand my point? Now what he did was to take God's name and place it on that calf. He never saw that calf because think about it. Aaron could not have tried to make the image of God and made a calf. I hope you get the point. He, he wouldn't have done that. So what he did was just to make a calf that they knew in Egypt. And they took God's name and placed it on a vain thing. Now what is the modern day application for us as Christians? There are many good things around us through which God is blessing us. We must never mistakenly think that thing is our God. I hope you're getting my point. What is your God or who is your God? It is a place you are looking at as a source of your supplies. It is a place you are looking at as a source of your security. Do you understand my point? That's one thing we must never do. Okay. Now, apart from that, David now told us that we must magnify God. And that's what we began talking about last time. We're going to continue today. We must magnify God. Remember we, say, we said when we are talking to one another, we're actually praying. We're actually praying. You're a husband, you're a wife, you're talking with your spouse. When you're analyzing the affairs of your children, of your, you know, your finances, of your environment, of your relationship, please talk about it like you know God is listening and what you are saying matters to him. Don't, oh, you and your wife, you have a problem. Don't open your mouth in private and say nonsense things. I will divorce you and marry another person. God will punish you for that statement. Are you getting my point? You are, look, I don't care how right you are. You are going to be judged. Because he's listening. He's paying attention. The Bible says the Lord heard it. No, I like the way he said it. That the Lord gave attention and heard it. Are you getting my point? It's very important. Just make sure when you are talking, remember that God is listening. And take the things you are analyzing as prayer. Don't be an accuser of the brethren. The Lord is listening. No accuser of the brethren. Trying to sit down and analyze all the bad, bad things somebody else has done. Don't be an accuser of the nation. If, because friends will analyze the issues of the country. You finished NYC last year. Your friend finished last year. Two of you are discussing the things going on. Make sure you remember that God is listening. I said last time, don't talk like the power does not belong to him. Don't make statements like in this country, young people are finished. 
How can a young man, you know, prosper in this kind of country where minimum wage you are discussing hundred dollars a month, and they are finding it hard to pass it into law, even after passing it into law? Do, do, do. <laughs> That's how we. Am I lying? That's how we talk now. And when you hear ignoramuses talking, it's very, very interesting. One day I was with one young man. After I had to tell him to shut up, that don't speak again. You know, I tried my best to ignore him. I'd not seen that amount of ignorance coming out of a human mouth in a long time. You see, people have never done any business in Nigeria. Tell you it's not possible. And you want to ask the fellow, what have you done? Who are you to tell us what is possible and what is not possible? You've never tried anything. I remember the story of one young man. I've told him many times. He came to my office, came to ask me for a favor. I drove him out. Very brilliant student. Actually, in his class, he was my best student. Brilliant. By the time he opened his mouth and spoke for a few minutes, I told him to get out. I told him that you may be intelligent, but you have no wisdom. I looked at him that day. I was ashamed. You understand my point? He said, Nigeria cannot have constant power supply. I want to ask him, why can't Nigeria have constant power supply? He said, minimum wage that time, I think was, what was it before the last one? No, no, that's 18 to 30. This was before 18. Okay, well, let us assume it was 10. I'll just make it easy. He said, ah, a country where minimum wage is 10,000 naira. I looked at him, I told him to get out. He came to ask me for a favor on behalf of his class. I told him to get up and walk out. He doesn't move now, move, throw him out physically. The guy thought I was joking initially. When he saw my face, he had to get up and leave. You had to get up and leave. I was so offended. I said, as smart as you are, you should have understood that there's a difference between minimum and maximum wage. You should have understood that simple metrics. You understand? That they say minimum. But that's not even what I'm discussing. I just looked at this young man and said, you know, that thing killed in Israel. You know that? It killed a commander, a, a chief of staff. Elisha said, by this time tomorrow, one bag of rice will be 1,005. That's what he told him. One bag of rice with 1,500 naira. And you see cars being auctioned in New Heaven for 600,000 naira for a 2013 Camry. <laughs> the man laughed. He said, Prophet, wait. I respect your prophetic anointing. It's not you that I have a problem with, it's even God. That if God, even if God opened the windows of heaven, there are things you don't say in the presence of a prophet. Yes, sir. So can this one be? The prophet was grieved, reflecting the grief in the heart of God. And he said, you will see it. Can we show one thing? You will not drive that car, you will eat that rice. Of course, next day, it happened just like God said it to happen. The doors opened. Things began to flow. You know the story. And because there was so much abundance... There was disorder. So the king now sent him to go and maintain order. So the people trampled him to death. It wasn't an accident. It was the judgment of God. I hope you're getting my point. He was taking, you know what he did? He took, and that's what we must never do. You don't take the power of God and ascribe it to something else. You don't take prosperity and ascribe it to chance. You don't take prosperity and ascribe it to human wisdom, human ingenuity. You don't do that. The power belongs to whom? God. So David said, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. 
Remember we began from when we are talking to one another? We are praying. We are not ending with what David said. Let us do what? Magnify God. Now, what does it mean to magnify God? Let's go over that again. It means, uh, remember, he doesn't change. If you could magnify him in himself, then he's not the biggest there is today. I hope you're getting my point here. If God can increase, then as of today, he's not the most high. Because the God of tomorrow will be higher than the God of today. So the God we are serving today, therefore, will not be the most high God. It will be the God of 2025. That will be higher. <laughs> Maybe that will be the most high. So God himself does not increase. So when you magnify God, it's in your own vision. Do you understand my point? Remember the word we have been using on Saturdays, which is what? Deliberate. That is, you deliberately focus until it looks bigger in your eyes. That's how spiritual things work. What you focus on magnifies. I remember Rodan Bok in his book, Angels on Assignment, he explained it. He said, well, he said an angel explained it to him. They drew him a, like a big box in a, on a plane sheet and drew a smaller box inside and told him that if he keeps looking at the smaller one, the smaller one will soon fill the whole sheet. That's what he focused on that, that's, that's magnified. I like what the Mary Kay Ash said. Once she developed pains in her joints and her, you know, the small joints of her fingers and maybe her feet, he went to the doctor. The doctor looked at it checked everything and said she had rheumatoid arthritis. And she said, what's going to happen? Basically, there's no cure. I'm going to give you some drugs to keep you comfortable, to slow down the progress of the disease, but eventually you're going to become crippled. So Mireke said, all right. So she left. By the time she was writing the book, that was maybe 10 years after. I don't know how long after, but long after. She said, I've been too busy to remember the pains. I don't know whether you're getting the point. So I've been too busy. That is, when the disease saw that I didn't have time for it, it left. So those are the early days she was building Mary Kay Cosmetics. She had a lot of work to do, so she did not remember to sit down and consider the problem. So after a while, the problem looked and said, this guy doesn't even have our time. And went and afflicted somebody else who had more time. One of our sisters told me told a story where I was. That's last time I went to Sokoto. She was preaching, and I knew, you know, see, God is always faithful. Somebody say Amen. amen. He's always just. He's never wrong. The Lord is never wrong. No matter how look, people have told me before, describe the faithfulness of their close, their loved one, and how they imply as if God still disappointed. But one time I get things like that, I now know that the story is not complete. The story is not complete. Either because you are deliberately holding something back from me, or you don't know yourself. God is eternally faithful. He doesn't make mistakes. He never does wrong. Never. If you cooperate with him, anything he says he will do in your life, he will do it. If Abraham, you know, let me tell you something. If Abraham had worked with God, after working with God for, let's say, 21 years, he left and said to walk, walk after the bowels, like the Bible will say. You know, all have gone on record that a man left all and followed God, and God did nothing for him. You know, that's all I've gone on record. So you, you will have felt that, you know, God disappointed him. God never. That's why he said, it is he that endures till the end. Sometimes people don't endure till the end. That's what happens. I mean, 
the prophet, was it Ezekiel that was told? Yes. Or was it Jeremiah? I'm not very sure which one now, but when I tell you, you know the one I'm talking about. God said, if a man was doing righteously for a long time, then one day he stopped. He said, we'll forget all the righteousness he did. So many times people f- stop. But we don't know. So we're now wondering why God did not reward his righteousness. God said, I've forgotten it. Why? He stopped. Let me just drop it for you again. If you want to walk with God, you die on day one. Are you getting my point? Day one. Don't, don't, you can't afford an insurance policy that will serve him for 10 years. If he does not bless us, we'll go somewhere else. Just don't bother starting. The way God works is that before you start, you will tell him, I'm burning the bridge. I'm following you. I'm going to die. That if I'm not, I'm going to die. So I'm sorry. I've died today. So it's my corpse you are dragging along. I hope you're getting my point. So there's no failing. You can't fail a corpse. Can you fail a corpse? I have no expectation. I have expectation, no. But my expectation is not, uh, when I do this, God will do something back. My expectation is that I will follow him who is faithful, period. Like I frankly said, whatever may come my way, my life is in his hands. The way to follow God is to follow like Ruth followed Naomi. You know what Ruth did to Naomi? Or Naomi did to Ruth? When, when Naomi was leaving and Ruth followed, two of them followed, Opa and Naomi. Opa and Naomi, Naomi, sorry, Opa and Ruth, Naomi spoke to them and explained the consequences of following. All of us are poor, so there's no discussion that there's no money. When your husband was sick, we used half of our money to treat him. He died. Then your own husband too joined the sickness. The rest of the money was used to treat him, and then he died. No, the first money was to treat my own husband. You know, these are three women with dead husbands. Right now, we are flat broke. So we're not taking anything. Where we are going, there's nothing. Those days, husbands mattered a lot. And the only way they could get a husband, really, was to marry a very close relative, who they are not seen in a very long time. Or the woman should have another child because they're supposed to marry the younger brother of the ones that died. Say, look, I don't have any other boy. And even if I were to, first, I'm an old woman. But let's even assume I wasn't old. Will you wait for the next 18, 20 years before the child becomes? Opa listened to very sound counsel. Very wise girl. Opa's very, very sensible. Not all these girls, I think they have faith. Just follow somebody foolishly. Opa was wise. Opa had a PhD in financial planning. <laughs> she checked her life and went back. Very good. And nothing wrong with it. God was not angry. In Ruth's case, Ruth said, I'm following you. Ah, Ruth repeated the, um, Naomi repeated the whole gist again. Ah, Ruth said, let's get it clear. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. Where they bury you, they will bury me. Now, there's one part we jumped. The hunger that will kill you, will kill me too. So, there's <laughs> By the time she made that statement, Naomi realized there was no driving her back. Now, just by the way, faith works by love. Read my book, Great Faith Can Be Yours. I explained it in there. 
Don't think, because by faith she moved. But we don't understand that. It wasn't like, I believe God. I confess there will be no poverty in our lives. I confess God will supply. I confess in the name of Jesus. I begin to see, <laughs> there is a man, Boaz, he's waiting for me right now. There was nothing like that. She was thinking of only one thing. This is my mother-in-law. If I leave her alone, who will take care of her? Trust me, that's all she was thinking of. All this, your God will be my God. Those are second issues. Love was so strong in her heart. That's her. If I leave this, my mother-in-law. She has nobody. We would take the good and refuse the evil. When it was good, when her husband was doing well, they were you know, businessmen. These are Jews in the foreign land. They were businessmen. We were doing well. I enjoyed that time. Now everything has turned upside down. What am I? Ha, no, I'm sorry. I'm sticking with this family because I made a commitment. When I took my vow, I did not take a Pentecostal vow. I took an Anglican and a Catholic vow. Rubbish Pentecostal vows. For better, for best, I confess that things shall be good. That's not it. I like the conservative, original, Anglican, Catholic vow. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. Even that dead self. You have to take permission to do us part. Because, <laughs> because Ruth said, where you be, you are buried, that's what I'll be buried. That's what I mean. She, that was the kind of vow she took. And that's what the Bible calls faith. Many of our faiths are so centered on ourselves, they mean nothing. They mean nothing. You want to know whether your faith is working. Use that same faith to give out money, not just to get Make up your mind. I want to honor somebody. Ah, I know my father is not rich, but he struggled. Or my uncle, they struggled to help me and my siblings through school. God, help me. Give me money to buy a car for him on his next birthday. And right now, you can't even change your shoes comfortably. If you, if you really, if you can have that kind of faith, you'll see that your faith is working. But this one that I declare, I'm driving a Lamborghini. That's why your poverty has been amplifying for a long time. Because there's no faith inside it. Faith works by love. Anyway, I know where, where I began all these things from. So God is very faithful. You know that's where I began from. I was telling you a story, remember? I'm not sure you can't even remember this. I, I started a story. And now I went into the direction of the faithfulness of God. He's very, very faithful. Very, very. Okay? So, back to my sister who was telling, you know, now, just to help you, I have to remind you what I was saying. I said we should do what? Magnify who? God. So I want to tell you a story in which I heard half of the story initially, and I was wondering. But I heard the balance recently, and I said, indeed, our God is faithful. And it's the story of a dear sister who magnifies something else. And you see how what you magnify will come upon you. And the effect it has. She was a young wife. Just got married a few weeks, a few months ago. And uh, now, let me tell you the other story. Okay. I'll tell you the other half first. When I give you the last I just got. Young wife, just got married a few months before. And then one day she came home. And she felt a bit unwell. And then she threw up. Do you understand? And then she began to throw up. When she would tell us the story, <laughs> we all know the story that you know, assuming I can't remember her way, assuming she was weighing 60 kilograms when she got married. In second trimester of pregnancy, she was weighing like 52. Do you understand my point? Yes. Normally when you get pregnant, what do you do? You add weight. 
she vomited so much. She lost so much weight. So she, her baby, her big uh, stomach, everything put together, she had lost weight. Said so she vomited and vomited and vomited. And I was wondering, people of faith, you know that kind of thing. We learned this word those days in school. Why did it happen to you like this? But we need this story for a long time. Why she used to tell us the story? For you to tell us the story of one place where her husband and I took her to go and eat, and the that somebody just told her husband, take her there, she will eat that. That one, if you fry egg in her house, she'll throw up. If you make milo, she'll throw up. Don't try and do me, she'll throw up. If you cook any soup, she'll throw up. The smell of anything, no matter how nice, the aroma, what you call aroma, was nauseating to her. It was bad. That's how come she got to second trimester, she was, she was, Less than when she got married. Anyway, she walked through that pregnancy. We thank God. The baby is big now. I mean, an adult. Ready to marry too. You know, it's a long story. Then I had the other part of the story. Please tell your neighbor, be careful what you magnify. See, before I go into it, you may always say many things. Don't, you, don't, don't learn a bad thing because it is romantic. It's young women, I'm telling this. A bad thing is a bad thing. No matter how romantic it is, if it is bad, it is bad. It's recently I heard what happened. He said, Daddy, remember I was telling you a story. She said she got home, was feeling unwell. And then she felt nauseous, so she went and she threw up. Ah, why? Remember she got married a few months ago. And then it turned out that she began to suspect that maybe she's pregnant. Aha, I guess what happened? She was pregnant. So she went and laid down and put her head down and magnified the vomiting. She said, I vomited only once. But when my husband came in and saw her lying, he saw me lying down. He said, honey, what is the problem? I don't know. I have been vomiting since morning. <laughs> and heaven said, no problem. You say you will run, therefore shall you flee. You say you will run on horses, therefore those who pursue you shall be swift. Shall be swift. He said, before my husband came, I vomited only once. She said, after when the man came, I wanted to do, you know, no. In the own film, Sunita. So she went and laid down, posed, waiting for the man responsible. To come and start the work of nursing a pregnant wife. Amen. Next time you see a woman, you go move back. Or you go nurse this time. So the man, of course, the man, oh, sorry, my baby. I've been vomiting this morning. Oh, my lady, put your head here. Say, ah, it's nice to be pregnant. <laughs> Heaven said, okay, now you want to vomit. Therefore, shall you vomit? That was the day started. You said, by the time that pregnancy was over, she was ready for the next one. Said, devil, okay. Next pregnancy, and if, come on, in the name of Jesus, stay down there. <laughs> Nobody should, I don't want any romance this time around. I have a warfare. <laughs> I have warfare to fight. Next pregnancy, and all subsequent pregnancies, vomiting kept its distance. I'm telling the story for us to be careful what we magnify. She said, I vomited only once. My husband came in. I said to him, I have been vomiting since morning. She magnified 
the vomiting. And it was to her according to her faith. You know, many people, you know why poverty will kill them? Listen, I'm not joking about this. They will look for a job for 18 months. Yes, let's even drag it. And they will come to the conclusion that there's no work in this country. And God will say, as you have said in my hearing, so I will do to you. Then they will say, I have to go to another country to get another job. God said, but I still have to prove to you that a country is not God. I am God and there is none else. Then you go there again and you still will not find work. Be careful what you magnify. Be careful what you magnify. David said, magnify the Lord with me. So I've not gotten the job in 18 months. When they ask me, oh boy, you don't have a job. God will soon release it. I said, no, no, I'm just waiting. See, that tone is different. Always put the name of God somewhere. God will soon release it. Because once you say that this country is useless, you have said the source of jobs is where? This country. You have magnified the country. And listen to me. I said something the other time. Be careful. Don't copy unbelievers because God doesn't have that kind of trouble with them. Be careful when you are copying unbelievers. They will say it, there will be no serious consequences. God is not trying to prove to most of them that he is God. But to you, he has to prove. No one said concerning Jacob. He said that the Lord led him and there was no foreign God with him. The way I understood that scripture is very different. It's not as if Joshua, Jacob did not look left and right. You know, The Lord led him as a God and showed that you will have no trust in anybody else apart from me. I don't know what I get my point. So anywhere that Jacob tried to trust his own strength, his own wisdom, he got into trouble. That's the meaning of the Lord led him and there was no foreign God with him. Listen, if God is going to take you far in life, it's one of the first jobs he does for you. He will lead you until there's no foreign God with you. That's one of the things he does. He will ensure that you have no other confidence apart from him. They have who have confidence in their own ability to pray. And you see, it's God that knows the heart. We will go and pray, but what it means is that I know some keys to press in prayer. When I get there, I, I, you know, even if God doesn't want to answer, I know how to move him. I'm a prayer warrior. God said, no problem. Bros, go and pray. Anything people trust in apart from True faith in God. He has a duty. He has a duty. <laughs> he has a duty to make sure we fail in that area. If you have, in fact, that's one of the things I do to myself once in a while. I quickly check. Do anyone that appears like, um, um, yes, oh, flesh. <laughs> I pray seriously. There was a day. You know, people, this, uh, eat healthy, eat healthy, eat healthy. I'm not saying you eat roughly. I'm just saying be careful. Don't think. That healthy eating is a source of health. Healthy eating is just an exercise. It's like wearing white. You say, what is wearing white? I don't know, too. Just a color. <laughs> I have a sister that believes in a lawyer diet. I never forget to remind her that she's practicing the doctrines of demons. You know the lawyer diet? How many of you have heard of a lawyer diet before? 
Ah, how come the ladies you are pretending? You are pretending. Two, uh-huh, yes, uh-huh, now, uh, thank you. I knew that ladies are the ones that knows, know those very, very, very funny things like that. Men don't care, really. Hallelujah, that the price for 24 hours. After that, Hallelujah, that doesn't have a good taste, man. They change it to praise the Lord diet, whatever it is. Amen. Leave her up. One day, somebody told me, when I had the earlier diet, I said, you can do any diet you like. That I'm offended. I said, this is blasphemy. Say, why is it blasphemy? I said, you tie the name of God to it. Hallelujah diet. I said, when you tell a Christian, it's deceptive. Christians will come for it. Listen, okay, who call it doctrine of demons? The red prince. He didn't call hallelujah diet. He said, diet fads. He said, they are doctrines of demons. He said, he's not lying to them. He has done them too. He said, there was a time I drank carrot juice until I turned yellow. <laughs> he was a white man. And he wasn't joking. The pigment in carrot turned him yellow. Anyway, so people get into, involved in all of those things. You know, God has done something for me for a long time. Anyone I get involved in, it must cause me trouble. It must. If you say, start eating garlic, garlic will prevent your eyes from becoming weak, prevent your prostate from enlarging, Prevent this, prevent that. God will just watch me. The first day I take garlic, God will be looking like, Banky, you are very foolish. Now you are smelling like an Indian all over the place. And to you, this is how to get health. You'll be watching me. The next day when I take garlic, you'll still be watching. People will be saying, you are smelling, no? <laughs> it's this warning. Say, Banky. You know, God says something, I rub dung on people's faces. You know, in the Bible, I will rub dung on your face. Next day, I, I know the way the Lord does. I never tried the garlic thing. I know next day I eat it, I'll just break out in a rash on my face, which is literally God rubbing dung on your face. When you look, say, oh boy, bless I'm reacting to garlic. God says, yeah, you have to react to garlic. I will make you have no other choice but to trust in me. So one day, this really happened, this really happened. You know, part of all these health, health things, they don't eat sugar, use honey. I consider them very, very ridiculous. I, I, I use honey, but it's not because of health. In fact, my wife says with them that you behave funny. I say, why? I say, well, you, you put honey, you still put sugar. I say, honey is not sweet. <laughs> Am I lying? Some of you are confused. Go and try it. Honey is not sweet. Honey has a honey taste. Sugar is what is sweet. <laughs> oh, they just got the revelation. <laughs> Only has the, no, but I'm not lying now. Go and test when you get home, okay? This is what I do. I put honey, whatever I want to put on it. But I must put, even if it's one cube of sugar, I put on top of it. Why? To bring out the sweetness. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with honey. So I like honey. What I like about honey is it has this syrupy feel. It puts in your mouth. It soothes the mouth, you know? It lines your mouth. It gives you, you know, you just want to bless the name of the Lord who has dealt wondrously with you. That's why I like honey. Don't think, I don't care whether I, look, 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 don't care. So one day I took honey, I wanted to put in my tea in the morning. As I lifted it, it was not this that diet, diet thing, it just came into my mind. So I looked up to heaven, I'm not exaggerating. I said, Lord, it's just the taste. I'm very serious, though. Because I know he's a jealous God. That's the name of jealous. So I turned to him, I said, it's just the taste. No, it's like, you know, 
you are chasing a woman, something's going on, you're applying to marry her. Then one guy is calling her at 10 o'clock. You see, chats, hey, how are you doing, baby? You know, she has started that. He's just a colleague in the office. He's a funny man. He calls everybody, baby. You know the way you defend yourself? Ah, ah, why are you doing like this? Nothing. That's what I did to the Lord, though, because he's a jealous God. I said, Lord, this one is not my boyfriend. It's just... <laughs> I didn't with a jealous person. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. You have to explain yourself. You are going to visit your uncle that is rich. You say, Lord, I'm going to see him because you say, give honor to whom honor is. He's my uncle. He's not the richest. Okay, let me promise you. Anything he gives me, I won't collect. If I must collect, it will be my first offering tomorrow morning. Say, Lord, I hope he's okay with you. That's how you treat jealous boyfriends, <laughs> jealous husbands, <laughs> and jealous gods. Seriously. That day I took the honey. I said, Lord, it's just the taste. I know there's no health in it. Health is with you. You are the source of life. You are the source of health. This is what you have given me to enjoy. So I want to participate in the goodness that you have given to me. I'm not looking at the thing as a source of health. I used to get up early in the morning to go and jog too. The day I realized this, I stopped. Listen, nothing wrong with jogging. How you know what is important to you and what you are worshipping is the priorities position it takes in your life. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's why I gave the smell of garlic as an example. You are disturbing the whole neighborhood with your smell. You will still stay there. Why? You think it will make you healthy. God will make you sick. I know what I'm telling you. I'm not joking about it. Though. I don't think I'm not. I told you I'm not one of those preachers who say that God never does it. God the flock person. Okay, let's say it in English. The Lord chastises his children. Let's say the correct English. He the flock person. I know what I'm telling you. So while you are careful, never to magnify anything above him. And remember, we say in our conversations. When we're talking about diet, don't say, ah, this one has been found out that 70% of those who eat it, they die at the age of more than two. If you eat that, then that has become your God. You want to live to one than two, it's very simple. You know how to get it? Get home today, kneel down, say, Lord, I don't see why I should die before the age of 102. Keep me healthy. Keep me safe. In Jesus' name. Amen. Then he will get up and teach you how to walk in righteousness before him. That's all. We don't magnify anything above the Lord. Even when we are talking with one another. You want to start a business? You're analyzing business. There's a way Chris says. That's why you can't do business with non-believers. You know, partnership. You can't. How do you discuss when you're a believer, you say, look, we want to cite this thing here. That place, hmm, traffic is good. There's no way. Customers will finish us. We will have too many customers. When you finish, just call your partner say, your head, is it correct? Do you realize we have a jealous God? You are calling location the source of prosperity. Turn and say, Lord, please, not location the source of prosperity. We will go there if it is necessary. But you are the one that will direct traffic in our direction. We ask you for it in Jesus' name. If he opens that door, go there because you've seen businesses close because one governor came. Oh, yes? One governor will just come and say, why is there traffic in this place? They said, people go to market here. It's okay. Here, but I move market from Ogui Road to Abakwa. Uh, is this strange? Have you not heard it before? He happens every day. 
And the, the governor has no, he doesn't have you in mind though. He has peace in his state, in his domain in mind. And he wonders, why is this? And then to make it worse, they will now shoot somebody there one night. And they shot that guy at 1 a.m. He has nothing to do with your business that opens by 9 and closes at 6. The one policeman will not tell and say, Oga, too much problem in this place. Are you serious? Say, yes. The other day, some people were knifing themselves. You will forget to tell the governor that knifing was at 2 a.m. Drunk boys who were on the boat. You, you have gone home. Governor said, okay, no problem. Close this place. Nobody, build a wall and nobody passes here again. That's the end of your traffic. There are those who made, they educated their children doing business at toll gates. A person came one day and leveled, you know, there's a way when you know God is the one doing something. He leveled toll gates nationwide. You know why he did this? Some people dragged him to court. That they have one long lease, one agreement with government to use the toll gate. He said, no problem. He wasn't ready to fight the courts. He just said, okay, should be all these quarrels because there's a toll gate, right? He said, okay, you know, we're increasing the price of wealth. We'll, we'll cushion it for the populace by removing tolls on the roads. When I came to Enugu, there were two toll gates. One at the Onicha end, one at the Enugu end, night mile. Overnight. There's no toll gate anymore. And businesses built around it, what happened? Gone. Every time God will show that He is God. God will show to you He is God. And the duty we have is what? Magnify Him. So I said we are going to do something beginning from today. We'll continue for a long time. We are going to start talking about the Lord. When I was meditating today, I said, what do we, in what area do we talk about God today? Because people often describe the situations around us. If we are where we are because of Obafemi Awolo, Namdi Azikiwa, and Tafawa Balewa. Remember, the founding fathers of this country. Listen to me, they have nothing to do with what is going on. They played their roles and they went. I hope you're getting my point. They are not the reasons, or they are not the reason why there is a country called Nigeria. They are not. Lord Lugard does not know why there is a, a country called Nigeria. He has no idea. He's as confused as you and me. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, Lord Lugard does not know why there is a country called Nigeria. And that's why I want us to read a few scriptures. Now, people are, different people are going to read for us. I need three people that will, that will read. One person from the back, one person from the middle, and one person from the front. Are we ready? No, I'm not the one that's going to talk. The Bible that will talk. I want us to read about God. I may pass a comment. I may not. But let's read about the Lord. Daniel chapter 2 is the first one I want us to read. Oh yeah, Mrs. B. Thanks for volunteering. Give my wife the microphone. All of us, let's open to the book of Daniel chapter 2. Let's learn to talk about the Lord. Seriously, everybody, you make it a habit. Sit with your friends, five of you. Each person, just describe what you know about God. Jesus came to his disciples and said, Who do you say that I am? They began to talk. Said, this one does not know what he's saying. Or he said, Who do men say? That was the question he first asked. Who do men say that I am? You are Jeremiah. You are this. Some say you are this. They said all kinds of things. Elijah, they called him all kinds of names. He now said, Who do you say that I am? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, You are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. Listen, it's important that you tell God what he is to you all the time. You wake up in the morning and tell him what he is. Who he is to you. you know, there's, there's who he is, but what he is to you. Are you getting my point? The times I just wake up in the day and just describing the fact that he's the healer. He's the one that signed your conception. He's the reason why you did not die at birth. He's the reason why you are still alive till today. He's the giver of life. You talk about that all the time. Every time they magnify the world for us, magnify science. Oh, science is a god. People worship it. Somebody predicted that by the year 2050, death will be optional. That science will have developed to a level that you won't have to die unless you want to die. And of course, I laughed. I said, you don't know God. Death, the power of death and the power of life is with the Lord Jesus Christ. The reference described what he calls, it was quoting a particular scripture. I don't, I, I, I don't have it often, but some of the revelations. Talking about people dying. They die by pestilence, by, you know, farming, by the sword, and by death. He explained that, what does that mean? That sometimes people die and there's no reason. And really, one of the things we are taught as pathologists in forensic medicine is to certify a cause of death. You're supposed to let the type of what kill somebody if you examine the cause. There are times it's accepted to write undetermined. Why? Because sometimes you investigate, investigate, investigate. At the end of the day, you don't know why this person should be dead. Cause of death, undetermined. And the truth is that when doctors a lot of times they know why somebody died, they mean that's the only thing I found wrong with him. That this the man is so healthy, but this one is wrong. So that, and he's dead. Are you getting my point? So that has to be the cause of death. Sometimes people just die by death. So when they say death is the option, I laughed. I said, You can't take the power from God. If all of you got, get to that point, you will kill everybody. <laughs> the power belongs to God. Periodically, we should set, settle down. That's individually. But you're a married person with your wife. Just talk about God. Because we talk about it, we talk about people. People talk about backbiting back. But when they sat down and prayed, Lord. What is wrong with you analyzing situation, sir? So that, in my spirit, I just felt that's the time you'll have used to discuss something else. Koza is your current problem now. You have no other thing to dis- discuss but Koza. <laughs> you are getting to the point I'm making. So this is the time. Listen, you settle down sometimes. You don't have any problem. No? You're not praying for anything. No? Just let's talk about the Lord. Take a country like Nigeria and say, let's talk about him. Let's talk about the Lord. And that's what I want us to do. You know, he says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So we're not talking by flesh, we're not talking by blood. We are talking by the revelation of the word of God that has been handed down to us. Let's take a few scriptures and read. Let's start from the Daniel chapter 2. Let's all stand up to read this one together. Daniel chapter 2. Let's start from verse 20. One person will read, but I want all of us to be standing. Then maybe all of us will read after that. Daniel chapter 2, uh, two verse, from verse 20 and to verse 23. 
Daniel chapter 2. Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belongs to him. Amen. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Amen. Let's bless again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. Worship His that he said it is he who changes the times and the epochs that is the reign of kings when one kingdom will rise when one kingdom will fall he said he removes kings and establishes kings he is the one that removes kings and establishes kings democracy does not remove kings it does not establish kings there was a time one powerful Muslim ruler in Nigeria. He was terrorizing Christians in his domain. And I heard the Archbishop with the house, I went to his palace and told him that the Lord said he should stop. He didn't. You know what happened? Abacha deposed him. It was not like the Christians went to petition the federal government. Yeah, the prophet went and said, God says no. I remember when MK Abiola was Hope 93, Hope 93. Anthony Bakari said he's never going to rule Nigeria. All Nigerians said he should rule. I said in Taraba State. He won in almost every corner of Taraba State. In Taraba State. I was in Kashaka local government. He won there. He won all over the north. 
He defeated Bashir Tofa in his own local government. In Kano, he defeated Bashir Tofa. But Bakare said, go and tell him. He will never rule. I remember one statement he made. He said, is there no elder in that family anymore? Why will somebody call him to order? He will never be president. Then he came to church. He said, NRC will lose, but SDP will not win. And there were only two political parties. My people, the rest is history. You know why? Because it is God that removes kings and establishes kings. God just ruled and said, you will never be president. And that was the end of it. That is a God we serve. Stop analyzing politics like ignorant people. By faith we understand. Without faith we have no understanding. That's what it means to be a Christian. We magnify God. When God, when election is coming up, we go and vote the way we like. But we'll say the power belongs to God. We will say the power belongs to God. I like one thing that God said to, to Nebuchadnezzar at another time. Very important for us to just refer to it. He said that until you understand something, that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets on it the lowliest, sets over it the lowliest of men. Someone will sit down and be arguing, does he have his secondary school certificate when there are PhD holders? Christians don't talk like that. Christians have understanding. They know that God sets over the kingdoms the least likely. That's how we give glory to God. It's not to sing, bless the Lord of my soul, worship his holy name. Then you go ahead and worship ABC. Then you go out and go and worship PDP. You go out and worship, you know, America. Tell me to see what CIA has decided. There are statements you don't make. You are a believer. Let's read this together again. Everybody, Daniel chapter 2. What we are doing, we are magnifying the Lord. And we are correcting the way we talk. Everybody, verse 20. Daniel said, Go, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. Wisdom and power belongs to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Psalm 22. Let's go to Psalm 22. But we are talking about the Lord. Tell your neighbor, we are talking about the Lord. We are describing our God. You know, we have never seen him. We know him by his acts. We know him by his deeds. We know him by the people that he he has revealed himself to and through. That's how we know God. That's how you have to describe him. That's how they describe you know that you can only describe him. But many times we take his glory and give to someone else. And that's a major problem the church has had. 
taking God's glory and giving to Satan. People will be walking in sin. Walking in sin. There was a time I saw a man, Lord have mercy on me, I hope I'm not judging him. I won't mention his name anyway. He was very, very, no, he was sick. International minister. Serious affliction. And he got on TV, they were talking about, I was watching, I was very, very bad for him. And they said, well, I said, no, 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 that is not God, it's the devil, the devil. They said, I'm going to fight the devil, devil, devil. Then later on, I met him directly. I got the report through a very credible elderly man of God that has later with that man. And the man is extremely dishonest. My preacher, internationally, a name I mentioned, all of you here will know. Unless you have not been to Christian things for some years. The moment I heard that story, I said, ha, ah, ah. ha. And you are blaming the devil for your afflictions. Why can't Christians repent? When, why, why can't they repent and, instead of rebuking? When they are afflicted because of their iniquity. He said, fools, because of their transgressions, are afflicted. They walk in foolishness, but they say it's the devil. And it's a major problem we have. That doctrine is very wrong. That doctrine is very wrong. Why am I saying so? Because that is the reason why we don't repent. We don't repent. Things happen. We focus on the devil. I just came from Kaduna. I was preaching there. I told them, listen, your governor is a good man. I like him because he doesn't care what you Christians think. I told them straight like that. One man came to me after. He laughed. He said, sir, I'm a member of Assemblies of God. <laughs> he was laughing when I said that thing. Because I told them that look at the way you are behaving, you are blaming your governor. No, the man did a Muslim Muslim ticket. Normally, in states like Kaduna, you do Christian Muslim. The man did a Muslim Muslim ticket, and did a, and listen and chose a woman as his running mate. He didn't care. If you know Rufa, he doesn't care. All this religion, he doesn't really care. He doesn't care about anything. Anybody's what was his problem? I said, why don't you just recognize that you walk in division? You don't love one another. You don't rightfully descend the body of Christ. You don't walk in righteousness. You are blaming your governor. I think it's a major problem in, this, in, in, in Christianity of today. We've taken the glory of God. When he's, when he's even chastising, trying to correct us, we turn around like the Bible says and say, not he. He's not the one. It's the devil. There's a scripture like that. They said, not he. The Assyrians came against them. They said, it's not God. It's the Assyrians. Egyptians came against them. It's not God. It's the Egyptians. Tell them to recognize that Moses had taught them in his song. He said, How can one chase a thousand or two chase ten thousand? And the one, the ten thousand and the thousand, was talking about Israelites. He said, Except their rock give them up. That's what you should have focused on. They were saying, This one that's chasing us is an Assyrian. These two that's chasing us, they are Egyptians. That's the problem. They took the glory of God and gave to someone else. But we won't do that anymore. Later on, we'll, we'll read scriptures to show that the power of discipline, of judgment, of correction belongs to God. Let's just read this from Psalm 22. Who read that one for us? I have good. Thanks for volunteering. Psalm 22 from verse 25. You read from 25 to 31. From you comes my praise the great assembly, I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. 
All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before him, even he who cannot keep his soul alive. Posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. Amen. I want you to notice one particular verse there. Verse 28. Everybody reads verse 28 together. Love is a Lord. And he rules over the nations. I love that. Key. That's, that's our key verse in that whole portion. He said, for the kingdom is the Lord's. And he rules over the nations. I love King James' expression there. If you have a King James, you see how it says in verse 28. He said, all the ends of the earth. Okay, let me just verse 28. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he's the governor among the nations. It's so beautiful. He's the governor among the nations. You know, trouble burst out a few weeks ago in um, Libya. And they began to fight again. Initially, America was supporting the general, Zee Haftar, whatever his name is, that's attacking the sitting government. Now, anyway, Libya is in chaos again. I know what came to my mind already. I said, what sin did they commit that the Lord is not tired of punishing them? It seems to have slowed down in other places. Even Syria is calm. Then the spirit of judgment has moved over to Libya. What came, look, I didn't analyze who half is it half hour or half hour, whatever. Who knows what affairs? That guy is, I don't look, I didn't care who he was or who is fighting or why he's fighting. What just came to my mind is that what sin did they commit? That the you know, that's what they call the when, when the judgment of God is spent, when it's exhausted. I said, why is it that their own judgment is not yet exhausted? That's what came to my mind. It's not just analyze, analyzing politics. America supported the man. Then they stopped supporting him. Then Turkey is angry with the man. You know all those kind of things. I just look, people of Libya. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess your sins and be saved. He said the, he said the kingdom is the Lord's. And he's the governor amongst the nations. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. 
and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole world. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Though he is not far from any of one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offsprings. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Notice that verse, that verse 26. He said, And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Which verse did you read? New Living Translation, right? Yes, I like that New Living Translation because I like the way he said it. He said, He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall he determined their boundaries Lord Logar did not determine their boundary Queen Elizabeth or Queen Victoria who was in power at that time was it Queen Victoria or King who whatever or King George I'm not sure but he did not determine their boundaries it is he who determined their boundaries he decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall. He decided when USSR will rise. And one day he said it is time to fall. Don't be as afraid of Islamists. Don't be as afraid of anything that's you know, attacking the church. Don't worry about it. God has already decided the time of their fall. Listen, I said Christians, we, we magnify God. We don't ever, after today, don't make the mistake. Listen, time will not allow us. In fact, we read it just now. There was a time. Okay, we didn't read it. In the time past, you know, he overlooked our ignorance. So when we are discussing politics, he won't say anything. He said they don't, they are children. They are walking in foolishness. Foolishness is bound up in their hearts. But after today, he said even if you are discussing politics, he doesn't want to hear nonsense from your mouth again. Don't sit with your friends and be giving analysis as if you are an unbeliever. Like I said, if you have nothing to say, what do you do? You keep quiet. But if if you must open your mouth to speak, if you must open your mouth to speak, you must give glory to the Lord. Remember, the days of ignorance, they are past. Amen? Those days are gone. From now on, we speak and we give glory to God in everything we say. Remember, it's not just when we sing, when we are in church. It is when we are speaking, how often? To one another. As we are speaking to one another, we say the power belongs to God. Let's take this song one more time. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord. The more you magnify something else apart from God, the less His power is revealed in your life. Remember, we are responsible for the affairs of this country, we Christians. The more we magnify something else. You know, some people have so magnified man. They are so angry. They walk in anger all the time. And they are preventing God from blessing us. What do I mean by angry? There are people that when they see a full animal, they want to shoot him. 
I know I was in Sokoto a few weeks ago. I know it's interesting. Many of the pastors they introduced to me were Fulani men. In fact, one might have his number. He introduced himself. He said, I'm a Fulani man. And he's a, he's a missionary. He's a missionary. One is a pastor of one, one big denomination there. All right? He was a Muslim. His family, that is, the, the Christians had to take him out of town for some time. Had him educated on all of that. He went to Bible school. Then he returned back to Sokoto as a pastor. And he's a PFN member. But he let the news, you know, they, stole, they, they incense our minds. Just somebody that head, is a head of state is from northern Nigeria, you are angry. It's the reason why we have not prospered. Listen, what you are doing is that you are taking the glory of God and giving it to a man. Why do you regard man whose breath is in his nostrils? Let's put up our hands and just give the Lord thanks. Because we recognize who he is. There is a governor amongst the nations. There is a governor. There's no need to be angry. I said, the more you know, the less angry you are. Joseph could have been angry, but he knew too much. He knew too much. He knew the role of God in his life. So he said to his brothers, yes, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Thank God because he's working in your life. He's a ruler, not only over the nations. He's a ruler in your life. He has said, I will not leave you until I have, you know, established my purpose in your life. He has said it. I will not leave you. Until I have done what I have promised to you. Until I have established my purpose in your life. I will not leave you. That was what he said to Jacob. And he's saying it to you again today. No matter where you are, even if you go to Laban's house, he will be, he will be with you there. He will be with you there. In all your journeys, the Lord is with you. Moses said, the Lord led this Jacob. The Lord led him about. And there was no foreign God with him. Give the Lord thanks because he's the one leading you about. And there will be no foreign God with you. Give him thanks. He's the one leading you. Said so the Lord alone guided him. And there was no foreign God with him. The man that sacked you, don't be angry. The Lord is leading you. And listen to this. He will make you ride on the high places of the earth. Say amen if you believe that. I said the Lord will make you ride on the high places of the earth. He will cause you to eat the produce of the field. He will make you suck honey from the rock. You will eat curds of cow and meats of the flock. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. He will satisfy you in dry places. Amen. I need you to hear that the Lord will satisfy you even in dry places. Amen. Don't give His glory to an economy, don't give His glory to a nation, don't give His glory to a nation. We do that a lot. The reason why you are down is not the country you are living in. God can cause water, water to flow for you in the wilderness. That's the God we are magnifying. Like I said, we're just going to be talking about Him. For the next few weeks, just talking about the Lord. We'll look for another thing, just talk about Him. Because people have talked about other things. They've magnified a lot of things. And in that process, they have done, they have diminished God. Who knows this song? I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh Lord, forgive me. And I have believed. 
for forgiving our ignorance. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving our foolishness. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us for making you small in our own eyes. But today, Lord, we say you are magnified. In this nation, you are magnified. In our individual lives, you are magnified. In the church of God in this land, you are magnified. In our homes, Lord, you are magnified. In our health, you are magnified. In our finances, you are magnified. We declare that you are God and there is none else. We give you all the praise in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I release your blessing upon your people. I declare the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord will make his face shine upon you. He will be gracious unto you. The Lord will lift up his countenance upon you. He will smile on you, that's the meaning. And he will give you peace in the name of Jesus. When God smiles on you, good things happen to you. I said good things will happen to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Again, I rebuke every affliction, every infirmity. If there's any pain, any sickness, no matter how bad and no matter how small. No matter what it is, any pain, every affliction that's in your body right now. I curse it with the power of the name of Jesus. Because that Jesus took your infirmity to his cross. So he cannot stay on your body. So I say, infirmity be gone in the name of Jesus. And you be well in Jesus' name. Father, you take the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to pray for your loved one. As I'm praying, in your mind, you don't need to do anything more than in your mind. Just think of that person. Please, I don't want somebody to read about in the newspaper. Or you saw in the mirror when you were passing. Let's go put a special body on you for the person. Alright? Okay, if you have a strong body for that, fine. I have no problem with it. But I want somebody who you, you are touched by the feeling of his or her infirmity. Your mother, your father, your friend, your brother, your son, your daughter, you know, a cousin, a loved one. If anybody but somebody that you are, you know, you are thinking of. That if they said bring money and solve this problem, you will do that. Now think of the person now. And I want to pray for that individual in agreement with you. Under the power of the name of Jesus. The anointing of his blood. That's what we are praying, praying under. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that infirmity. Amen. I command that pain to disappear. Amen. I rebuke cancer. Amen. I rebuke infertility. Amen. I rebuke broken bones. Amen. I rebuke sickle cell disease. Amen. I rebuke mental illness. the healing power of God to permit that body. Amen. Father, in agreement, we receive this manifestation from you. Amen. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 
Amen. Right, let's share the grace. Are we ready? I want to let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can I quickly bless three people around you? This is your season. Two more people. This is your season. One more person. This is your season. One last one for yourself. This is my season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, cherub brethren. God bless you. I'll see you on Saturday.